services down over the weekend period just to uh, help us reflect on the main things of the day. And obviously today being Good Friday, what is it that we're reflecting upon? What is it that we're looking at? What is it that the Jesus is, is, is asking us to reflect upon today? Well, that's going to be an interesting thing. But I pulled that painting down to, to highlight something. This is what Jesus did for us. Look at, what, look at what it is. It represents the curtain being torn. The, the piercing in the side that shows that he actually died for us. The, the crown of thorns that declared that he wasn't good enough to be their king, but he's so much better because he's our king. Think about it. The, the three nails. You know, what a... What a prophetic picture of what Jesus has done for us. And every time I look at it in worship, it speaks to me. And uh, today, of all days, let it speak to you. Think about the cross today. That's what our theme is. And, and uh, obviously, we've put communion front and center today. Of all days. Why? It's pivotal. Pivotal to who we are in Christ. It's pivotal to what we know. And, and I'm not going to do a teaching on communion because I don't think we need it. But remember what I said last week, what we need is an encounter with the real Christ. Mm. And today is a day that we can do that. My heart this morning is uh, to pay respect to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is that yours? Do you come this morning thinking that you have to be here because this is Good Friday? Or did you come because you want to pay respect for what Jesus did to you? How do we honor Jesus? How do we honor what he's doing? How do we honor the very fact that he died for us? And I think it's actually living out the fullness of who he's called each and every one of us to be. You want to honor someone, you want to be the person they want you to be. Think about that in the context of your parents as a child growing up. Your parents were calling things out of your life all the time, hopefully. In the perfect world, they're calling out who you're meant to be. And you want to honor them by being that person. That's what it's like in the Christian world. Our good Father made a way possible that He could declare and speak good things over you. And we, from the position of favor, we're able to step into what Jesus has done. We're able to step into who He's called us to be and what He has called us to do. So today, let's be all we've been created to be. Let's have some fun. Even though traditionally, thankfully we're not traditionalists, traditionally we look at Good Friday as this context of a day of mourning, a day of remembrance, a day of, you know, being uh, solemn before God. But I see it as a day of hope. You know, Jesus died once. And yet, sometimes people crucify him every year on the Good Friday just to see him resurrect again on the Easter Sunday. But His resurrected power is with us present every moment of our life. So let's, let's, let's be honoring to Jesus today. And let's, let's look to bring intimacy into this place. It is Good Friday and it's that day that we do stop, reflect, remember, pray, pay tribute and we give honor to the complete work of Christ at Calvary. For us with the benefit of hindsight for Christianity it is a day that is joyful, and it should be. Who's been to funerals of Christians? So much different to funerals of non-Christians. I remember this one funeral um, when I was only a small boy, 10 or 12. 
we went away to Wollongong and uh, it was the most oppressive thing I have ever felt. Wasn't it, Mum? You remember that funeral. The most oppressive funeral I've ever been to. And, uh, and I think about that and I think about this kind of memorial. And it shouldn't be oppressive. It should be free. And uh, yet we need to pay honour in what Jesus has done. I want to look at John 18 and uh, I think I can turn this on. I think uh, we, we're still just trying to stay in this month of grace that we're in. And uh, today we're looking at the cross. Sunday we're looking at the resurrection. Why? Because they're pivotal to our faith. And today I just really sense that, that God wants to uh, cement home this catchphrase that we're using and it begins and ends with Him. It all begins and ends with Jesus. It all begins and ends with Father. It all begins and ends with the Holy Spirit, three in one. And uh, how are we going to do that? We're going to look at the, the Gospel of John again. It's a really good passage. This is a different passage, John 18. And a little bit of reading, so bear with me. John 18, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who had betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there and lan- with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. This one always gets me. When Jesus says to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Boom. They didn't draw back and give reverence like we do to kings. They fell back under the power of God because of the declaration, I am he. The great I am has just declared that I am he. Imagine that. In the garden, just being betrayed by one of your dearest and closest friends. The soldiers are standing there with lanterns and weapons. They're they're there to seize you. And in the midst of that, Jesus walks up and says, Whom are you seeking? I am he. It shows you something of our Lord. He had set his face toward Jesus, toward Jerusalem. He had set his face toward Calvary, and nothing was going to turn his back on that. I am he. So they asked him again. Oh, so he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you, I am he. If you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that, had, that, had spoke, that he had spoken. Of those whom you have given me or gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. Typical Simon Peter. Jesus told him to bring a sword and he brought one. And he used one. And Jesus picks up the ear. He heals the man's ear. Could you imagine the shock as that man received his, his ear back? And you can just see Jesus saying, not now, Peter, and handing his hands over to be chained. What a picture. 
put your sword, sword into the sheath, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Powerful words. Jesus, knowing full well that he was about to be betrayed, went to this garden irrespective of popular belief at the time. You can have popular things and follow the popular way. Jesus did not do the popular thing. He did the right thing. He went to that garden knowing Judas was coming. Have you ever wondered at the tenacity of Jesus? He never took a backward step. Try and find one. There's not one. Never did he retreat in the context of failure. He never took a backward step. He always pushed in. Knowing fully what he was about to undertake, for, he, for, for us, he not only said yes, he not only said yes, he fully embraced it. He fully embraced what God had for him, his Father's cup. Then we see over many hours, and you can just watch the Passion of the Christ. You can watch, uh, read the Bibles and the Gospel stories and the recount of what he did. Over many hours, what do you see? The Gospel, it spells out his fate. Humiliation. The false testimony and accusation that came against him. The beatings. Being spat upon. Probably... You think about those old medieval movies where they throw rotten tomatoes and rotten vegetables because of their, dis, 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 their, their what's the discouragement, their disdaste. Their, thank you, that's the word I'm looking for. Think about that. There's a throw stuff at Jesus. Mocked with the crown of thorns and a royal robe. Think about it beaten again, standing before the religious leaders of the day, those whom he had come to save. The pious, the righteous, the ones who who thought that they were doing the right thing by God. Standing before them, a beaten and bloodied mess. He has to take what they give for him to take. Jesus was treated worse than the murderous criminals of the day. Worse. Yet from love, he took it all. Then there was the whipping post. You think he'd copped enough by this time, but then he has the whipping post. I I can't watch that scene in that movie, The Passion of the Christ. The first time I saw it, I've forced myself at times to do it, but the first time I saw that, I wept like a baby. What he went through and endured for you and I, so that we could be well. And we have the hide to sit back in our chairs at times and say, Jesus hasn't wanted to heal me. And yet right there at that whipping post, he proved that he wanted all to be well. These flashbacks, they they come every now and then. And this day in particular, we think about what Jesus bore for us. We look at the cross. There is this this next thing is the cross. As we look at the Gethsemane account and then the garden where he's betrayed, then you look what is happening. He gets beaten and bloodied and all sorts of things. But then we look at the next thing. 
after you don't think he could endure anymore, he's then got to carry this rough, sawn cross. Whether it was the, the beam or the entire cross, we don't actually know. But he had to carry it from the center of, of where they met right up to the hill, Golgotha, on his ripped raw back. No wonder he fell and couldn't carry it anymore. Pilate, happy to let this innocent man go, washes his hands of the mess that was brought to him. Jesus coming back from Herod is condemned to death before the eyes of man, his life for the life of a murderer was exchanged. How does it go? Barabbas. Release Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. Release Barabbas. The, the life of an innocent man for the life of a murderer. Sounds about right, doesn't it? Sounds a little bit symbolic of something that we believe to be very true. It's called the great exchange. A righteous man for the sinner. His life for the sin of the entire world. This brutal instrument of death, this cross, fashioned from the roughest sawn timber that you could ever find, so soaked and stained with the blood of men who had been crucified before. Hundreds, possibly thousands. You read any historical account, the cross was a brutal instrument of death. It was Rome's way of enforcing their will upon the nation they had overcome. Jesus carrying this blood-stained cross before hundreds and thousands of people. A heavy thing laid upon him, carrying his own demise, he falls. Exhausted. Nothing left in him. Do you see the pictures? Can you see what God's doing in this place? This is what Jesus did for you. It's all well and good to say Jesus did this for the church. This is what Jesus did for me. You want a level of intimacy, you need to embrace this. You want to know how much your Father loves you, you've got to see it through the demonstration of what Jesus went through. This vile instrument of death now becoming a symbol of hope for so many today. Just like God, isn't it? Just like our Savior. Just like our King. Just like the Creator of the world to use the foolishness of man and bring about something that would break the hearts humanity. Something that would cause us to hope no longer in ourselves, but to have faith in a God who loves. Jesus' pole of death is our picture of hope. John 3. We looked at John 3 last week. Actually, the week before with Pastor Rodney. John 3, 14 to 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life 
Jesus was lifted up on a pole for all to see, mocked, beaten, falsely accused, whipped, ridiculed, but yet for the whole world to see Jesus was upon that tree. We move from the cross and we think about that. We think about why did he do this? Why did he give himself over to do the Father's will? Why did he come to the cross and not see shame in it, but see the fulfillment of God's plan? And it was all to do with his good pleasure. It was all to do with his desire. And you know what grips me? Do you want to hear the insanity of this plan? Which, if seen from a humanistic worldview, view, will just do your head in. Let's have a look. Hebrews 12.2 Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. This is the bit I want to highlight. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It does my head in to think that this brutal instrument of death brought Jesus the most fulfillment in his joy that he could ever experience. Think about it. Because it was the death blow to death. It was the death blow to sin. It meant that the doorway to heaven, the doorway to eternity, the doorway to the Father, the, the way that mankind and all of humanity can be returned to the, to the center of God's perfect will. It was this one simple cross and it brought him such joy to fulfill that. To his good pleasure. Philippians 2, 6-8 says this, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Not just any old death, not just giving up your spirit, not just... Not just being hit by a truck. Not, not just, I mean, and these are all horrific things. Death is not the nicest of things to go through if you have no hope. But he gave him over to the worst death that he could ever see through all of history. Past, present, future. He succumbed himself to that particular place. Luke 22.42 says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. In his humanity, he begged the Father to take it from him. But yet this angel comes and strengthens him. 
and he's able to see the will of the Father. Being in complete anguish, Jesus submitted even to the point of death. In the wisdom of God, Jesus knew trust. Do you know trust? You have hope. You see that Jesus' good pleasure was to die for you. But are you able to trust that his pure and perfect will is right for you? Jesus did, even though it led him to that cross. Laying himself completely in the trusting arms of his father, Jesus let go of all control to die for you and to die for me. He did this so that you and I could come to a place of intimacy with God that humanity had never experienced before. No time before this. We think about David. We think about his intimacy with God. We think about what God done through him. We think about the fact that God opened heaven up to a way to David to give him an insight of what the new covenant was going to bring. But David never tasted that on a daily basis. You and I have that right. You and I have that privilege. You and I walk in that because of this. Intimacy with God is not something to be scorned at. Intimacy with God is something to be celebrated, something to be desired, something to say, this is setting me at peace in my world and in the kingdom of God. And Jesus paid a price for you to do that. This intimacy with God is even deeper than the intimacy that Adam and Eve had with God in the garden. Pre-sin. Pre-sin. Because for the founda- before the foundations of the world, God had already put into place the plans of crucifying His Son so that you and I could have the benefit of being intimate with Him. So that you can say, Our Father, who art here right now with me in this very place. Jesus, the new Adam, died so that God could take up residence in you. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Jesus died to make that possible so that by the Holy Spirit, he could take residence in your life and seal you into the family of God. That's nothing to be ashamed of. That's everything to be thankful for. Come on. Jesus desired intimacy beyond that which we could ever imagine. It was his desire. It was his good pleasure to make that way open. There's plenty of psalms and plenty of stories I can take you to, but we don't need to. His desire was more than the cross. His desire was for you and I to abide in him. I don't know if I've got this up there. Yeah, I do. I think it is. No, it's not. So I'll go back one. Close your eyes for me and let me read this to you. John 15 says, I am the true vine and the Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already, You are clean 
because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that, your, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. What an amazing promise. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Jesus' desire that fulfilled his joy was that you could abide in him and he could abide in you. which means that joy is your portion. It's not what you have to beg for, it's what you must receive. Jesus desired to be with us eternally. Abide in me and I in you. This is our desire and it, it was made available only through the suffering that he went through. Everything he experienced was so that he as God could relate on a personal level with you. So we've looked at the garden, we've, we've moved to the, his arrest and his, his beating, we've, we've looked at the cross, we looked at why Jesus did it, it was his desire to fulfill the Father's call, to see that you and I abide in him and he abides in you. What is our desire? To be more like him? to be more intimate with Him, to be free in Him. Think about it. I want you to think about that for a moment. And I'm going to invite Sarah and Natasha to come. I've asked the girls to do a song for us. I want you to think about what is your desire as they sing this song. Because Jesus is as interested in your desire as you are interested in God's.
So I'll just take a break for a moment and I'll ask the girls to sing. Thank you, girls.
desires of your heart he is made available because of the cross the next slide if I can Steph for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground he had no formal majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him he was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and as one from whom men hide their faces he was despised and we esteemed him not surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is to be led to slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off, out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has been put to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many. And with and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession 
for the transgressions. Jesus did this. No one else but Jesus. Jesus gave his life for you. He offered his body to be shredded for your peace and your healing. He offered his blood so that you can be cleansed, past, present, future, once and for all. He made you righteous by grace through faith. I'm going to invite you to come. I want you to come and take a portion of the bread. I want you to be reflective as you do so. And ask Tash to just start playing the keys as you come. I want you to come and take a glass. I don't want you to eat it. We've got five more minutes. I want to read a, a, a prayer of Jesus over you before we take communion. And I want to read a letter of love over you. And then we'll take and eat. So please come. If we start on this side, that'll be great. As these guys come through, then we'll move to the middle and over here. I'll start reading the passage of Scripture as uh, we move to the last section. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to the Father. And in doing so, He's praying for you and I. He says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may, have, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Friends, it begins and ends with God. Your salvation is made available through the cross. Your sin was paid for by the very death of Christ Himself. The guilt and the shame that you carry in your life was nailed to that cross with Jesus Christ. It's not yours to carry. You need to give it back to Him. 
by faith you are saved in the good works that is Christ and Christ alone. You will never work your way into heaven. You will never, ever, ever please God by your actions, only through your faith. What you hold in your hand is the representation of what God has done for you. He paid an amazing price so that you could be free of the old man and live in the new. I in them, you in me, them in us. That they may know our love, that they may be brought to be one. Unity is the center of the gospel. May you stand to your feet. Close your eyes and reflect upon this. I got this this morning and I thought, how brilliant is this? You need to hear this. This is God speaking over you right now. You will hear the voice of God in this because you will hear the love of God for you. In my eyes, your old life has already met its demise and is finished. The cross has set you free from your old man, a sin nature and a selfish lifestyle. When I died, so did you. I did not just die for you, I died as you. When I was buried, I took your old man with me. And when I was raised from the dead, I left your old man behind. He cannot ever be resurrected. It is gone, finished, forever. You died in me. Then a new version of you was raised from the dead through my glorious workings. Now you and I are walking together in a completely new and totally different life. Your old self was crucified with me so that everything connected to that life could never make it past the grave. We are united together always and no one and nothing can ever separate us. Beloved, I am so excited that we are together as resurrected beings all the old has passed away and you are my new creation in Jesus I give you the beautiful always amazing Holy Spirit to empower and support all your learning as you experience my life in you you are no longer a slave to sin it is no longer your nature I have removed it All that remains is your attachment through memory to a habit which can be broken by our partnership and relationship. He who is dead is entirely free and I will teach you and show you the reality and the power of that freedom. Remember I started this morning and I said we need to be who God wants us to be. You want to honor someone, you become the person that they want you to be. What you hold in your hand is the representation of the power of the new life, the new man, the new creation that God freely makes available to you.
Some of you need to be rebaptized in your thinking. Some of you, some of you need to remember that you died to sin. Some of you need to leave the shame of the old man in the grave and stop trying to resurrect it. Some of you need to put trust in Jesus that his death was all sufficient and his resurrection was all powerful. Today you hold in your hand something that will either discredit you or honor your father. You eat and drink with an unrighteous heart, you will heap judgment upon yourself. If you are open before God right now, and you are able to say, God, I want to bury the old and I want to live from the new. Jesus, you made a way possible and I want to follow that into the fullness of the pasture that you have led me into. The land flowing with milk and honey was nothing compared to my relationship with you now. If you are able to do that, bring honor to God, I would ask that you would thank Jesus for his life right now and begin to just partake of his body. If you need peace, God has made it available here. If you need health, it is here. Thank you, Jesus. I see a picture of Jesus on the cross. I see a picture of the spear just piercing up under his ribcage and into his heart. I see symbolic that his blood was shed completely and entirely for you. And from him flows rivers of living water that want to cleanse you entirely so you can walk in the freedom that is Christ. Jesus, we take of your blood today in remembrance of what you have done for us. We honor you. And in honoring you, we say, Lord, empower us by your Holy Spirit, who is ever present within our lives, to grace us to walk toward the purpose you have for us. Each day we are discovering a new element of you, a new facet of your goodness. And Jesus, we ask that you would take us from our now purpose to our tomorrow purpose. And from our tomorrow purpose, would you lead us to the next purpose in the stage of growth that you have for us? Lord, I choose today and I ask that our church would choose to focus our eyes upon your face and the glory that it is. No longer looking at the old, but fixed upon the new. Lord, we thank you that as you are, so we are in this world. Let that become our reality in Jesus' name. Let us drink in remembrance of our Christ. Thank you, Lord. I'll invite our ushers to come and collect up your glasses, please. We're going to finish with a song. Thank you, worship team, if you want to come. It's a new song that the church is that the music team or the worship team have been wanting to bring in and nothing better than this weekend to do so. Amen. I'm looking forward to this song. This is this song will conclude our service, but let me just put an offering out to you, a, 
an invitation. You're here this morning and you don't know Jesus the way that we are describing Him. I want the privilege of leading you to Him and introducing you to our Lord and Saviour. So you can come and during the song and I'll, I'll pray with you. If you're here and you need something from God, if you need a touch from God, if you need something in your life that just, just says, God, you are real and tangible and I just need to be able to tap into that right now. Or if you're here and you have a sickness in your body, you have a need that you need to see done or you have someone with you that has a sickness, I would pray that you come out now and we will lay hands on you, we'll anoint you with oil and we'll see the power of the cross and the resurrection at work today, amen? Because by His stripes we were healed and it is done. It is done. It is done.